everybody. Welcome back to the Contiki Podcast, the place to get double feature film recommendations from some of your favorite musicians, filmmakers, and artists. I am your host, Eric Mahoney, broadcasting to you from Brooklyn, New York. We're in the summer, pandemic, and civil unrest. Hopefully the show can provide at least 30 minutes of, a, uh, of time for you to check out and just uh, listen to some conversation about movies during all of this insanity that swirls around us. On the program today, very excited to have Mr. Scott McLeod, musician, uh, frontman for the band Girls Against Boys, also uh, Soulside, Paramount Styles, New Wet Kojak, lots of, lots of great stuff. I, I've been a fan of Scott's work um, you know, since I was in high school. Really think the world of his music and uh, all-around great guy. It's always fun when you, when you can kind of lock in with somebody and, uh, and you start to realize very quickly that, that you speak the exact same language in terms of your taste in books and films and, and music and so forth. And, and Scott was one of those guys. And so this is a really cool conversation um, that revolves around a couple of, of Werner Herzog films um, that, I, that, I happen to, that I happen to like quite a bit as well. As a side note, um, as a side note, I, I had the the fortune of, of spending, you know, about a week at uh, one of Werner Herzog's rogue film schools that he used to do. Uh, they were basically like pop up film schools for about seventy five or eighty students, and you would go and spend uh, a week or so um, with him, learning about filmmaking uh, according to Werner Herzog, which is quite a unique and. Uh, interesting experience. Um, if he ever starts those back up, I highly recommend it. He's just such an inspirational artist and filmmaker um, that it was, it was an experience I'll never forget and, and always feel very thankful to have. So so let's delve in and let's talk some Herzog with Scott McCloud. Hey, Scott. Hey, Eric. Hey, can you hear me? I can. Can you hear me all right? I can hear you all right, yeah. How are you, man? It's, it's been tough. I mean, it's definitely been, it's been a really crazy time. I mean, in Vienna, I can tell you that we are, you know, I can tell you I sound like Trump, but um, we're like, uh, <laughs> it, it is starting to ease up a bit. So there's people going out and people, of course, dying to go out. So there's, you know, things are opening up a little bit. And um, it's it's really nice to see actually because it's such a wonderful city and it's and especially in this season especially in May is one of the times in Vienna when everybody really comes out and starts to sit outside and just enjoy the you know the city enjoy the sunlight and the different things and so it's, this whole thing's been really strange but it's even in two months it's given me time to think back on how I felt about things in the beginning of it which was like a lot more fear and, and, and craziness. And, but it's not like that's gone. It's just, more, I mean, there's still issues. And I know in America, it's a little bit different, right? Or how is it in New York right now? I, I don't know. I mean, people are definitely out. I mean, we, we, we try to kind of pick our spots and, and, and go someplace either very early or like, you know, just, you know, not, not peak time. We've, we've been like driving to the beach, like at eight, eight thirty in the morning, like when there's no one there and let, like letting them run around. Then when it starts to get crowded, we, we, we jet, you know? So, it's okay. I'm a little trepidatious. I think you probably I feel, like, feel like I do. It's probably like a, 
on one hand, it's a safety thing. On one hand, it's just a respect for other other people's space as well. I mean, it's the concept of like we're all in this together. So you know, you yeah. don't want to be around when it's super busy, and you want to always. I'm always telling my kids, stand to the side, damn it! You know, there's other people going by. It's like I know. I I feel like I feel like the the ramifications of that they're going to just grow up to be like these two neurotics. I mean, my 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 younger son already. He was. I was like, hey, you want to go ride bikes? He was like, no. And I was like, why? He's like. I don't want to go outside and get germs and have to wear my mask. And I was like, oh, Christ. <laughs> right. But they also use that as an excuse. My kids use that as an excuse. We can't go out. You know, we want to play video games because we can't go out. I'm like, okay, come on. Give me a break. It's like, you know, it's like a toss up. Right. They use it as an excuse. But you're right. I think this will be, for kids our age, a period of time where they're going to definitely remember. I mean, these are the periods. My earliest memories, I was talking to my sons today, it's like this, it's around this, you know, between six and nine is when I start remembering things. And I'm sure they're going to remember this, although for them, you know, they don't really, it's really interesting how young children interact with something like this. They understand it's coronavirus time, so they have to wear a mask, but they don't really understand the the things that parents are worrying about. No one on the planet has has gone through something like this. You know, from from our from 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 us to our parents to our kids, generationally, like this is all brand new, which I think is a little. I've I've found that fascinating, that like that part of it. Like normally, you can look to another generation or something and be like, "Oh, so how did you guys handle this?" Is just this is just completely unprecedented for anyone that's walking on the planet right now. Yeah, we never experienced like even though you don't want to, even though when we watch documentaries, which we'll be talking about later, but of World War II or different things, it's like it's interesting to watch the documentary and see the battle. But it's really hard to imagine, you know, living in a city especially for Western Europeans or, or, or Americans and stuff, li- you know, living in a city really under siege and stuff. The thing that struck me the most about this pandemic when it started was just like, they would be like, you couldn't go outside, but sometimes I'd go outside, you know, in the beginning just to get some stuff. And it'd be an amazingly beautiful day. And like that, that how, you know, incongruous that was, it was like, yeah, a beautiful day. And yet there's this thing. And a lot of my friends come in the same thing. And it's like, it sort of seems like that's, you know, it's nature's sort of weird way. And this leads into our conversation about, about Herzog and stuff. And because his films are so much about nature, but it, it's, uh, it's, you know, it leads into this way of like, well, it, it, you know, Armageddon may be a beautiful day, actually. Right. <laughs> it's, right, it, it, right. It, it, it's not always like the kind of, you know, the, the eighties, you know, you know, um, cold winter, you know, or the, you know, the nuclear winter scenario. Yeah. (laughs) Right. It's like, it's, it's, it's not necessarily like that. It's like, it's a beautiful day outside. It's totally gorgeous. And there's no one on the streets. It's very sci-fi to me. The whole thing was very sci-fi. It sure is. It sure is, man. It's, it's strange. It's strange. We'll probably have a lot of situations like this going forward. And so we need to learn as, as humanity or whatever, to hopefully deal with these things in a better way. Yeah. yeah. And protect and protect the environment and the planet. Well, I, I think I, you, you just mentioned this briefly. Uh, I think this is a good segue in uh, to our, to our conversation here though, but because you, you mentioned that, that a lot of Herzog's films um, are, are environmental. So, um, so, so let's, let's, let's dive into the film side of this conversation real quick. So what, what, um, you know, I always task everyone with, give, with presenting me a double feature that has some sort of, uh, connective tissue between the two. So, so what are your two, what are your two picks for everybody? Uh, we've sort of hinted at them by the director, but, uh, what are your, what are your two picks? And let's, let's get into the why of that a little bit. Sure. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, and thanks. And yeah, I picked for a double feature, um, 
in this period of watching films and stuff, something along the lines of what I might have seen in New York when I moved there in 1989, these some older films. Both films are by Werner Herzog, and both films um, star Klaus Kinski. The first one is Aguirre, The Wrath of God, which was um, released in 1972. And then um, they worked on some other films, but then Fitzcarraldo, 10 years later in 1982. These are films, I, I picked these both, and believe me, you're going to need a bunch of popcorn if you're watching this, because they're not, you know, <laughs> these, these are arty yeah. films. I mean, they're, or they're, I actually wouldn't call them arty. It's, they're really realistic. They're almost documentary approach to narrative filmmaking, because the films are self-reflexive in the fact that they're kind of about the making of the film, even though you're watching a narrative. And in right. film school in that time, this is the kind of films I really liked. I really love films like Slacker. I really love films that were just like, you know, realism. I love Cassavetes. I love, um, and so when you mentioned this idea to me, the, one of the first things that came to my mind is even if people know these films, in this period also, I'm in this, some kind of reflective mood. I wonder, I, I watched a lot of things again that I haven't seen in years, and I'm probably not alone in that. I don't know why that is, but... And so seeing these films again and thinking about how they would have been double features back in, the, in New York, I thought this is a good, you know, dig into some serious popcorn and watch some, you know, serious, like, you know, indie, talk about indie. I mean, serious independent movies from, you know, 70s and early 80s. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and two sort of descents into madness, you know, in a lot of ways. Um both, 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 you know, in the, in the film itself and behind the camera, you know, I think, you know, mentioning Klaus Kinski and Werner Herzog, you know, I think, I think we'd mentioned this over email, but yeah, there's that sort of seminal documentary, My Best Fiend, that sort of, you know, um, kind of goes over their relationship and, and how turbulent it was and, and just how insane, just completely insane. Yeah. He was, he was almost I mean, certifiably insane. I mean, he was, I mean, I've read Correct. recently Correct. that, you know, he might've been, you know, schizophrenic even and stuff. I mean, that, that, that certainly skews to me. I mean, yeah, I, I think so. And, and, and I believe that he wasn't even, I believe Jason Robarts, um, Play, was playing the main character in Fitzgeraldo for uh, originally. I think he he became ill. Herzog yeah. cast cast him and Mick Jagger. Amazingly, there's a great scene in that. In I think it's in my best scene. There's another documentary called The Burden of Dreams, which is about yeah, the, uh, very good. these same things. Um, but it's amazing because. You would think those two actors, Mick Jagger, it's really interesting. There's one seg segment in this thing where there's a, there's a bell tower scene in Fitzcarraldo, which is 82. And you're right. Herzog shot, I think, 40% of the film and then had to reshoot with, with Kinski. Um, but there's a scene where they, where they juxtapose the two different scenes of the bell tower scene with Mick Jagger and the bell tower scene with... Uh, Kinski and Kinski's intent. I mean, this is, it's like, it shows you the intensity of this person. This church remains closed till this town has its opera house. I want the opera house. I want my opera house. I want the opera house. This church remains closed till this town has its opera I want my opera house! I want my opera house! I want my 
when I saw these films in the beginning, as a film student and just as a young person in New York, I mean, the, these Kinski, I found to be this like really in, such an intense, fascinating persona, just his, his face, just, just his, and, and the intensity and the way he rings the bell, even for people who are, who might, might know these films and might've seen the documentaries, the way he rings the bell compared to the other actors is just like something that kind of intensity you don't see very often in, in acting and in films. And also these films, by the way, or at least Aguirre, which is coming before, but even Fitzgeraldo is a bit after, but I think these films somewhat influence Apocalypse Now and influence Koppel in some ways, or there's some, there's something in there too, especially with Apocalypse Now and Hearts of Darkness, that documentary about that. They're really similar in terms of like a film crew goes out into a very sort of difficult situation to make a film. And the film is a lot about making the film as much as it is about the story. That's right. That's right. I hadn't even really thought about that comparison, but it seems completely logical now that you bring it up. Yeah, it, it very much is um, similar to Apocalypse in that way. And, and, and for people that don't know, um, you know, Fitzcarraldo is this, is, <laughs> they were literally dragging a boat over a mountain, um, both in the story and in actual life. Uh, Werner Herzog commissioned the, the crew to to pull this boat, uh, large boat. 360 oh, ton boat over a mountain. <laughs> right. And I mean, and this brings up all these questions. I mean, like, and they also hired, you know, indigenous populations to do this. So it's like there was, even right. at the time, I mean, they were, and he'd been in the, in the jungle. I mean, what's fascinating about this to me on a lot of levels is, well, one thing back to what we were talking about slightly before is, there's a great moment in one of the documentaries where Herzog's talking about being in the jungle and, and talking about nature. And I always loved Herzog's kind of like very dry voice in the way he talks about that. Oh, and he's course. sitting there in the jungle and he's talking about, well, my feeling in the jungle, I'll try to imitate his voice. My feeling in the jungle is this is, this is a very, very, you know, murderous and monstrous place. This is not a nice place. I see it more full of obscenity. It's just, and nature here is vile and base. I wouldn't see anything erotical here. I would see fornication and asphyxiation and choking and fighting for survival and growing and just rotting away. Of course, there's a lot of misery, but it is the same misery that is all around us. The trees here are in misery and the birds are in misery. I don't think they, they sing, they just screech in pain. Taking a close look at, at what's around us, there, there is some sort of a harmony. It is the harmony of overwhelming and collective murder. And, and, and it's, it's so true, though. I, I, I feel like in these films, it's like what I love about them is you take a film crew and cast and you put them in this crazy situation and then you, and then you try to make a movie. And, and they really are facing a lot of the things that, that you would face if you were gliding down a raft on the Amazon for months and months. I mean, they're actually doing it. And, and there's so many things I love about that. And this also what I love about Apocalypse Now, which is why I brought it up. And the only reason why I make the comparison is because there is that Hearts of Darkness film where 
um, uh, Coppola talks about running out of money, which also happened with Herzog, and having to refinance and do different things to get different actors, as we just said, and like just kind of get through this crazy, arduous situation where it's like, I've decided to make a movie in Fitzgerald's case where I have to drag a boat over a mountain and I have to do this. This is the film. Yeah, it's very, it's very meta. It's very meta the way both of those guys, you know, I mean, it, it just keeps on unraveling because, yeah, it, it is it is like their descent into madness, especially with with like with um, Coppola, because, you know, it, it, he was post, you know, two godfathers at that point, you know, and just sitting in an in a, in a incredible position. No. And I think he put up his house for mortgage and he had his whole family living down there and he was going nuts and like everything that could go wrong went wrong. I was talking about this with Wayne Coyne because one of his one of his picks was Apocalypse Now. And then we ended up talking about the doc instead, basically, because it is so incredible. Like that documentary that his wife um, made is so incredible to just like peel back the curtain on the descent into madness, making a film about a descent into madness. I would also say about, and in, in that context slightly about both Aguirre and Fitzgeraldo. It's like, what I love about it is actually it's, it's also like when you're watching the films again, I've seen them lots of times, but I watched them again before talking to you. I get a real, I mean, unlike watching a a current film and not to, not, not to bust, you know, not, not to be like an old guy or something, but just to, I get a real sense of place and I get a sense of place because it's real. <laughs> it's like they're filming yeah. something in the beginning of Aguirre wrath of God, the first shot, it's this snake of people going down the Andes. And, and there's yeah. a story about this. Cause also, cause also apparently Kinski was like so pissed off. He wasn't like, you know, in the front of the line or he wasn't really featured. And, but Herzog, and I do think this is a story of two monsters against the, battling each other and coming out with something great. But anyway, Hurt, so Hertz, I was like, yeah, this scene's not about you, so fuck off or whatever. Pardon my French. And, um, but that shot is amazing, and the soundtrack is amazing, done by this kraut rock band called um, Popol Vuh, which is like a, people won't really know, but the soundtrack of, of Aguirre, if you look at it, it's like this really eerie themes that are like, uh, only if you look at it, you'll realize it's kind of kraut rock based. But, um, it's a uh, great soundtrack and you just see this line of people and you don't see a lead actor for the first 10 minutes of the film. It's like, ten, I mean, it's so long and almost all the things in the film in that way are so real. One of the things I love about Aguirre is like also the battle scenes are like, it's like, it's basically probably because they didn't have the production money to stage a big battle with explosions. It's almost like the fight, any kind of battles and things are like, you see it post action it's like they go in and there's some dead bodies around and it's it seems kind of almost you know super realism it's like that's probably what it actually would be like to be you know if you're in the battle yourself you don't have an omniscient view well they're both hyper creative eccentrics they're both just incredibly eccentric but Herzog is just very you know meticulous and controlled and controlling and you know and 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 Kinski's just a complete live wire. I mean, he's just a raw nerve. So the two of them, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, 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 it's a combustible situation uh, for sure. It's a great moment in one of the documentaries that I think sheds light on this too. It's like, I think it's Herzog talking about saying, well, I think Kinski, sorry, do my weird imitation, but I think Kinski needed, needed to have his outburst in order to then do the scene. two hours later, which I actually, I empathize with and understand even as an artist, it's like, I, I kind of, 
also what I like about these films. I mean, even in a strange way, as a musician, it's got nothing to do, not that much to do with it, but there's a sort of catharsis. There's a sort of thing to preparing oneself to do something. And in those scenes, especially in, especially in Aguirre, where Kinski's just face without saying anything for you know minutes at a time, it's just conveying incredible amounts of madness. I mean, it's, just, it's really astonishing. And one does have to wonder, could he have done that without this struggle, this internal struggle? I think that what I love about Herzog's films and even these films is still this thing of his obsession to me, especially given a lot of documentaries he's done, like Grizzly Man, Into the Volcano, different things. He's really obsessed with nature, you know, and like what yeah. nature is. And, and I think this is very fascinating because I think that we do sometimes view nature as like this benevolent, you know, wonderful thing. And it is. Nature's amazing. It's so beautiful. But it's also really got a dark side to it, which is back to the whole Joseph Conrad, Heart of Darkness, this whole thing, this whole, you know, he was obsessed with this thing of being in the jungle and just like, what is, you know, it's like a murderous place. And, you know, it's, these are the kind of films that, yeah, that really move me. And I think it's a fascinating subject still. I think it's something that, you know, we sometimes don't think about anymore. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so I, I wanted I wanted to tr- uh, transition too briefly because we were we were kind of corresponding about the Klaus Kinski issue, and I think that that topic is is also very very fascinating to kick around here for a minute. Um, you know, basically, I think you you had sent me an email saying that there had been some some allegations of of sexual abuse uh, against him and. And then we sort of kicked off the idea of like, well, you know, how, how, how do we celebrate artists that, that might be monsters? Yeah. Yeah. Celebrating artists that might be monsters. And I, and I think, and I sent you the link of this article, which I really recommend anyone interested in this topic who might listen to this podcast. I, I really recommend you read this. It's a great article in the Paris review. Um, and it's about, it's more about Woody Allen and stuff and things that happen, but it is, I mean, in researching this a little bit for you and about this podcast, I was like looking things, things up just, and actually really enjoying myself in this quarantine period. Like, wow, I have all this time to sit around and think about Werner Herzog <laughs> and Klaus Kinski and all these things. It's fascinating. I love it. I, and, but yeah, it's disturbing to come up with uh, that. His daughter wrote a book um, about sexual abuse that he had committed against her. Equal, even also very disturbing that in the film, Aguirre at the end of the film, Kinski saying, I'm going to uh, uh, paraphrasing, but, I'm going to start a new, I'm going to marry my own daughter and start a new civilization. And, you know, who's with me? Right. I mean, this is the main the right. thing. So it's even more spooky given this thing, but then it brings up, and I wanted to mention it to you because I didn't want people to say, say well, you know, uh, how can you admire this person when he had this personal life and different things, which of course I didn't know about. And this book came out in 2013. You know, I think it's an, I think it is an individual, individual choice. It's like, Back to the double features, one of the things that would have been in New York all the time is tons of Woody Allen double features. Like, I love Woody Allen. Annie Hall's an amazing movie. It's, you know, do I not watch Woody Allen films anymore? For me, no. For someone else, okay, you know, if, if they don't want to. Um, but this is a great article kind of about that. She's actually talking about in the article more Roman Polanski, another person with these types of things. And sort of just talking about how you know, it's really, her article is really about like this sort of,
myth or not of like the monstrosity of art itself. It's like, do you have to be a monster to create something amazing? By, by being a monster, this is not about the sexual abuse anymore. I'm talking about like, she's talking about in her article, am I a monster for, for trying to write a book and ignoring my kids, right. which some people might, might, right. might accuse me of? And, or are you a monster for like going to the jungle for six years to try to make some movie and God knows what that did to your family life or whatever. It's, it's sort of about like, you know, what is, what is monstrosity? What's, what's acceptable and where are we? And I think it's an interesting conversation. I don't know we can, what we can say more, but what do you think? I mean, the whole thing is, is, is just steeped in ambiguity for me. You know, um, I read that article that you did send over and I, I did think it was really good, especially, especially that tie in about, about just the act of being a creative person and, and whether or not that's, you know, detrimental um, in and of itself at times. But yeah, in terms of, you know, in terms of back to the, to the, you know, to the main point though, I think, um, I don't know where I come down on it. You know, I, 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 I see, I see, you know, I see um, conflict in within myself about what what I'll tolerate and what I won't, you know. And it's like, I, 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 I but 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 I guess my knee jerk reaction to a lot of this um, has been to shut off those artists that have been sort of proven to be, you know, predators uh, or certainly criminals or violent aggressors. I, I feel like I, you know, I, I loved Louis C.K. I, I, I loved his work. And um, thought he was very creative. I thought his show was creative. I thought he was funny. Um, now, uh, when you bring up the name, I well, yeah, the same thing. Like, like could it. you really watch it? Right. And then it's like, well, then so then it's like, well, then if, if, even if you say something like, well, it's up to the individual. Well, then it's like, well, what are your own then proclivities? What are your own? It's like, for instance, it would be hard for me to. It would be hard for me to watch the Cosby Show right now. I mean, I wouldn't. <laughs> well, that that's what I mean by there's like there's like a there's like a continuum of this like like. He, what he did was so horrific that like Cosby showed him he's off the tape. But then it's like, well, where do you draw the line, and why are you drawing the line there? And you know, there's also like how much time has passed. Like, do you go back to like artists that have been dead for hundreds of years, and you know, no, no horrible things about them? You know, Caravaggio, the Italian yeah, artist right. who was a, a actual murderer and stuff. I mean, people stand up in line to to, to watch his stuff. Hey, you're right. That's six hundred years ago. Yeah, what's the statute of limitations on this? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I mean, it's it's very fascinating to me. Like, I, I don't know, and I, and I and I want to be very sensitive to certainly people that have that have suffered through uh, similar acts. You know, and I don't want to necessarily be someone to to shout from the mountaintops. Well, this person did those bad things, but they still did these wonderful things, and so you know, uh, who cares? And or, or I'm still going to watch it. Or but, but quickly back to. Herzog and stuff, it's also like there's many issues in his films, these films. There's moral and ethical issues. There's the morality of, first of all, Kinsky's personal life, that's one thing. Also the morale, also the thing of like if he's schizophrenic, maybe he shouldn't be in movies at all. That's the other thing. Right. Uh, ethically speaking, back then to huge indigenous people from the place, you know, one guy had to saw his own foot off and stuff. I mean, it's, it's like, it's, is it, is that, is any of that acceptable now? Should only films be shot only on safe locations? These are films that were totally like, almost like guerrilla cinema. They're made in this way where it's like, is this, would this even be acceptable? I, I don't know. I mean, I think that's, it's full of, um, lots of debatable, de, you know, de, debatable points. 
I agree hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, well, the beauty of, 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 of Werner Herzog, certainly if we were talking seventies, eighties, is, is the gorilla-ness of all of it. And, and like, like you mentioned, I mean, there's a lot of like human, <laughs> human rights issues with, with that, but also that's, that, that cinnamon is amazing. I mean, Herzog did have a doctor, but the people lived in like a, you know, kind of like a camp-like setting. I mean, it wasn't, none of this was, none of this was flashy. That's that's for sure. Sure. And, and I mean, the issue of like potentially, uh, you know, um, exploiting a a mental patient, (laughs) you know, because he's an exceptional lead. (laughs) Is classifiably probably what we would call schizophrenic now. I mean, he had multiple suicide attempts. He had lots of other things. And so in some ways, can you say like, well, a star like that, is he enabled to be a star by the fact of his eccentricity is being seen as like, that's just Klaus, you know, or, you know, it's kind of like the, the thing we're all talking about right now. Like, it's just sort of like, should, maybe people should have said, oh, you know, I don't know. Maybe we should use a different actor. Or, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> I don't know either. I think it's, I, <laughs> We both don't know. No, I think it's, it's, it's an interesting <laughs> thing. And also, you're right. It's like, then at what point, if we're going to make art about, like, you know, when I was a kid in New York and I first saw these double features and why I even thought of um, um, Herzog and Kinski, these would have been the things that I would have seen. And I would have seen, at that same time, I would have been reading the books of, you know, Nabokov's, you know, Lolita and Henry Miller books and seeing other films that were highly provocative, you know, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer or The Cook, The Wife, The Thief, and Her Oh, Lover. yeah, yeah. All these films, like, really pushing boundaries about what's acceptable, and or Anais Nin and her writings and so many people, and all these banned writings. This, to us, was so attractive when we were young, this idea of, like, this was banned. That makes it cool, and it's a... Uh, it's just interesting because now we're having a, a you know this big de- uh, a very needed debate about everything that's ever been going on. Well, I think I I guess where I come down on it is thinking about presenting this stuff to my kids. You know, when they're when they're ready, if if they're interested in, in this kind of stuff, is the, is the, is I think it's you know I think the work is important enough. You know, for the most part, if we're talking in, in generalities here, with with people that are perhaps suspect in their personal lives, I think if the work is is strong enough, I think that it's it's to be presented with um, you know these additional facts about you know who these people were and and what was taking place uh, you know on set long ago and and is that problematic and just and lay it all on the table and let them kind of you know uh, filter through it you know and and decide because I mean I think. I think to just like burn books is dangerous too, you know? So it's like, well, I think. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I think you're absolutely right. Lay it all on the table is the way to go about it and say, look, this is the thing. I think that it's because I think it's difficult to put too much, you know, moral absolutism into art or something and say, we don't know about the circumstances. I mean, from people from Caravaggio's time, all these different times and there's different times and different things and who's profiting and all these things. But I agree, put it all on the table and then you see what. Yeah what still seems to have artistic value and other things that don't, then, you know, shove it. <laughs> well, well, thanks for this conversation, man. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Um, and the last thing I want to bring up really quickly is um, 
uh, I, you know, I've been hearing these acoustic covers um, popping up on online that I've been enjoying that you've been doing. Uh, any are are are, they, are these are these for fun? Is this is this like a compilation of a of a project or, or what, uh, what what's what's your thought process behind behind these recordings that I've been hearing? And I think they're all they've been really great, man. I, I've really been enjoying them. Yeah, no, it's been totally fun. I actually since this started, I just I think like. I was talking to my therapist about it because I have a psychiatrist like people. <laughs> I think mental health is important. I mean, not, I don't have any mental problems. Well, I do, but whatever. But um, <laughs> I think that, I think that like, um, you know, I think like a lot of people, this whole thing happened. And I thought like, well, what am I going to do? And then for some reason in the beginning of this period of the coronavirus thing, I just started to, it's like just to be at home and just to be alone with your machines. And I think our machines, even though we can see this, we, we can look at current events on our machines. I think they also tend to make us look into the past to some degree. So, and I just always have wanted actually to have time to like figure out a bunch of songs and things. And I just thought, well, I have nothing to do now. I can't, I'm not, I'm a teacher usually at a school and uh, teaching English and guitar and the school is closed. So it's like, okay, well it's time. So I thought I'm just going to, some of these songs that I know by heart, I'm going to learn. And I thought, well, I'm going to share them and see. And, uh, I just enjoyed the concert. I still enjoy playing music. And so there's no plan behind it. It's just more like, um, I really felt like at the beginning of this thing that you're kind of stuck in a weird, like, well, when does future begin again? And am I going to look at my past or and what's, and that's fine to look at the past, I think. And what do I enjoy about it? Or what did I miss? Or what do I maybe want to learn more about? And it kind of goes back into my selection for these films for your mm-hmm. uh, podcast here. It's like, these are films that I loved years and years ago, which I've watched repeatedly. But again, why we've, since the time that I watched them in 1989, many other things have happened in the world and in our lives. So it's like how we view these films now is really different from how I would have viewed them in 1989 in New York at this, at the, you know, theater 80 St. Mark street in, in East, in East village, how I view them now is really different than how I view them, but I love having the time to go back and both look at music and, and especially see old films that I admired so much and see if I still admire them. Yeah, that's a fun exercise. I agree. I really like doing that as well. And the stuff that holds up is really meaningful then because it's almost like this, you know, this kind of companion you've had through your whole life that, that kind of, you know, sits deep in your psyche that you, you know, is always there that you, you remember enjoying as a young person. And then still today, you know, it still really resonates for you. It's really cool when that happens. I agree with that. Totally. It's exactly, it's exactly that. Yeah. Watching Kinski and Herzog in these films, it's like, I'm not thinking about, you know, and, and no offense to anyone who Kinski did bad things to, I'm I'm watching this as the art of this person. And, and it's, you know, it still, I think, stands up. Well, cool, man. I, I again, thanks for hopping on the phone with me. It was it was nice to catch up with you and um, and, and talk film. Thanks so much. And yeah, I hope to see you soon. Yeah, you we, got I was meant to go to New York so many times, but we haven't been able to go. So yeah, I know. If uh, if and when you get here, absolutely drop me a line. I'm going to be there in December with the kids if things hold up in a reasonable right. system. But if we are, I would love to get together if you're around. Yeah, man, drop me a line. Keep me posted. That would be really fun. That sounds good. All right, buddy. Be safe and uh, best to your family. Cool. Thank you. You too. And thanks a lot, Eric. All right, buddy. Take care. Okay, bye. Take care.
So that's the show. I want to once again thank Scott McLeod for being on today. His picks again were Aguirre, The Wrath of God, and Fitzcarraldo by the one and only Werner Herzog. Look Scott up on Facebook as he is continuing to post some really interesting acoustic uh, cover versions of songs uh, that he's been doing uh, with some video accompaniment as well, which are really cool. So I I would urge you to check that out. And also, all, all of his bands are absolutely fantastic. In particular, Girls Against Boys is, is one of my favorite of all time. So, highly recommend his, his music. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Contiki Podcast and Facebook backslash Contiki Podcast. Make sure to subscribe and rate us wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And thanks for, uh, thanks for tuning in. I hope you guys stay well out there. Stay cool. Keep your heads about you. For the love of God, wear your masks. And uh, tune in next week where we will have yet another double feature recommendation from one of your favorite artists. Hang in there, everybody. Be kind to one another. And we'll see you next time. is a delicious vintage. Uh, hi, I'm Mike from the Up In Your Ear Podcast Network. I was just enjoying a late night snifter of brandy by the fire when I remembered I have a podcast. Yes, I, I know, Eddie. I'm going to tell them. It's called Does It Suck Now? It's a podcast where me and my three lifelong friends, Josh Sprague, Josh Solo, and my brother Dave, watch movies we loved growing up and see if they suck now, we go down the rabbit hole and try to kill our nostalgia for the films we watch from when we were toddlers to teenagers. Take a listen. Hi, I'm Mike. I'm Josh. I'm Dave. And I'm Josh. And this is Does It Suck Now? Now? I just have one more joke I wanted to say, which was awesome when he's getting kicked out of the dinner party. And he's like, don't you ever come back here again? And he goes, suck my dick. Don't you love the movie Magic, like right after that, where they're like, cut to, it could be 20 years later. It it could be 30 years later because Mark Singer, who knows? The face and the chest are telling me different things. Everybody starts out by saying, this movie sucks. However, you should totally watch it because it's awesome. I want to be Jack Fizzle. Jack Fizzle sounds like a fluffer. <laughs> yeah, Peter Cetera? Yeah. Peter Cetera? Yeah. I'll, I'll fight for your honor. That song, whatever. Yeah. That song. Oh, yeah. I am the man that will fight, fight for your song. honor. Yeah. Right. Throws it. Then Burton catches it and he throws it back. Boom. And all the Buddhas go to shit. Mullets but, are fantastic in this movie. They, they Robin Hood's mullets fucking suck. And the mullets are really satisfying. Medieval mullets or 1989 mullets. Thank you, everybody, for listening to uh, us decide that Major League does not suck. Uh, I now. <laughs> or ever. Listen to Does It Suck Now? on the Up In Your Air podcast network. You can find it on all the podcast platforms where podcasts can be found. Podcast, podcast, podcast. Also, if you want to keep up with the Up In Your Ears podcast network, go to our SoundCloud page. That's soundcloud.com backslash Up In Your Ear podcast network. Thank you for listening. Up, up, up in, in your, your ears. ears. 
Podcast Network.